Welcome back to Salesy. Today, we are talking a little bit different things than what we normally talk about. We are talking about money with Allie Williams. So Allie is the founder and CEO of Financially, Financial Allie. If you see it written out, you'll see focused on financial literacy company, helping people create a flexible financial plan that they can stick to. No deprivation here. She has paid off over six figures in debt while still saving, investing, and buying season football tickets. Go Cox. Allie is a big Cox fan. Allie's work has been featured in Business Insider, Nerd Wallet, Channel 7 News, and more. She has her MBA in finances and lives in South Carolina with her husband and her two sons. She spends her time at football games. Go Game Cox. And with the Starbucks latte in hand. The reason why I want to bring on Allie for y'all today is, of course, we talk about business, money, and scaling. But what I found when it comes to financial literacy is that there's a lot of school of thoughts and there are a lot of things out there. And as you make more money, being able to hold the money and manage the money and plan for your future is really important. I actually got connected with Allie back in 2020, back when Clubhouse was a thing and has loved her stuff ever since. So if you are somebody who wants to figure out this whole money thing and not go full day Ramsey, this is going to be the place for you. Allie, welcome to the podcast. Obviously, I know your story and everything, but I would love for you just to start with how did you get started in all of this? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so on the personal front, so a little bit about me, my company is financially focused and my goal is to help people create a realistic financial plan they can actually stick to. I know this is a podcast, so you can't see, but I currently have a venti ice vanilla latte from Starbucks. And <laughs> that is something I get multiple times a week. And a lot of, I guess, financial gurus or people will tell you that that's dumb and I disagree. <laughs> so that's what we're here to talk about. Um, so yeah, my, my husband and I paid off $154,000 of debt while still saving, investing, spending on things we love. And I run my business completely debt-free. Uh, that was something that was important to me when I started my business in 2018. So yeah, I'm excited to chat all things personal finance, how it relates to business owners, especially when it comes to making more money in your business. And yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I love how you mentioned one that you can drink your coffee and have it too, because I feel like that is the first piece of advice that everybody gives when it's like, okay, we're going to cut down on spending where it's like, don't go out to eat. Don't drink your coffee. Don't do that. Uh, something I want to touch on though, is that you and your husband have paid off over $150,000 in debt. And something that you talk about regularly is that you had already paid off your debt to my understanding. Yeah. And then you married into this debt. Right. What did that process kind of look like? Yeah, so I became debt-free at 25, which I knew my husband at that point, um, but obviously we weren't married, so his debt wasn't my debt. Um, pretty much on, so when I graduated college, I was 21, you know, and didn't really know much <laughs> at that point about the real world, and I bought a new car. Thankfully, my taste in cars was not expensive. It was a Hyundai Tucson, which is the car I still have. It's 10 years old, but I bought it brand new and my car payment was like $415. But at 21, a recent college grad, that was like a lot of, I mean, that's a lot of money per month. And I was like, oh my gosh, like how, how do people live? How do people do this? And I didn't want to necessarily, you know, just like get by until I die. Like the thought of that sounded terrible. And at the time, all the financial advice that I could read or find is like, 
you know, pretty much boring and cut everything and don't live your life. And I mean, what 21 year olds going to do that? I still wanted to travel and live my life. So from there, I started kind of developing my own plan um, and was on track to become debt free when I met my husband. And I was the weirdo who on like our third date started talking about money because <laughs> I, at that point, really cared about personal finance was saving, you know, paying off debt, doing all the things. And I didn't necessarily talk about like, tell me, you know, how much money you have in your bank account, but we started to have the conversations around money so I can make sure we could get on the same page. That was important to me. That was someone I wasn't just dating at that point just to date. I mean, obviously I wasn't trying to like marry him the next day. We didn't get married for a few more years, but I wanted to make sure like I wasn't wasting my time or wasting his time. If he was like, I'm just going to rack up credit card debt for the rest of my life and I don't care about money. I mean, that might be a problem versus he knew he had debt. He thought it was around a hundred thousand. Most of it was student loans. Some of it was credit card. And then while we were dating, he bought a truck, but um, I wanted to make sure we can get on the same page. So we started to have those conversations. Like I said, I knew it was around a hundred. I didn't know the true amount until we were engaged and starting to like really start, co you know, considering combining finances. And then it ended up 154,000. So yeah, that was <laughs> a fun discovery, but I always believe that like debt doesn't define a person. I think the habits, the money habits you have and your money mindset's way more important than the amount of debt because debt can get paid off. I have no doubt about that. I've helped people pay off way more than 154. Um, but if we couldn't get on the same page, you know, that's a much bigger problem. Yeah. They say 50% of divorces right now are caused by money problems and whether- Oh yeah, I believe it conversations around money or how one person manages money and one person doesn't I feel like money is very stressful and that's like I think a harder conversation when you're dating to get on the same page with someone you know it's the three f's it's faith finance and families right and a lot of people right. are like oh I can get on board for faith and finances or faith and family but finances is harder obviously you have helped so many people pay off debt and get maybe more clear around money and money mindsets, what would you say are some of the common stigmas that people have around money, debt, and savings? Hmm. I think one, I mean, the word budget in general, people hate, right? Like it has such a bad, like connotation, like, oh, budgeting, that's boring. I can't do that. And at the end of the day, you're the one creating your budget. So if your budget is boring or depriving, like that's your own fault, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, like my budget is not boring. My budget's fun. So I don't know what y'all are doing, but is paying off debt hard and annoying a hundred percent. I mean, paying off debt is freaking tough, especially when you're paying off like six figures or even not six figures, even if it's only like 40,000 or whatever amount. I mean, it takes time. You can't rush it unless you just make a significant amount more that you, than you normally do, which is, you know, hard to do. I mean, easier if you're an entrepreneur, but um, harder, obviously, if you're a W-2 employee. I think the people who say while paying off debt, um, you know, you can't travel or you can't do anything, I think is BS. I hate the gazelle, like gazelle intensity mindset with debt. I think if you have like a thousand dollars of debt, yeah, like go all in and pay it off. But for most people have way more than that. And to tell them to like pause everything to pay off debt, I think it's dumb. Um, waiting to invest, well, you know, there's people say you shouldn't invest until you're debt free, which is also dumb because time is on your side with investing. So um, I don't agree with that. I, there's a few others, uh, I guess, statements from, you know, some 
some top finance gurus that I don't necessarily agree with um, when it comes to like how much you should have an emergency fund. Like a thousand dollars is a great start; it gets you going. But most things these days cost way more than a thousand to fix. You know, like even tires, getting four tires might cost more than that. So I think increasing that amount. Um, I think being really realistic about your goals and the timeline of your goals is really important. Like I couldn't tell you the specific dates I paid off each debt. Like I truly, I mean, I could go back to like spreadsheets and probably tell you cause I tracked everything, but off the top of my head, I do not remember, you know, what date we paid off a credit card or what date we paid off a student loan. So if it takes you an extra month or so, so that you can like build your savings and live your life. Like who cares? <laughs> That's my thought at least. So those are kind of some of the main, um, I guess things that some people might disagree with me on, but I think you have to find the line between like, you know, living your life and also preparing like, you know, there you can, you can die tomorrow, but you can also live to a hundred. So you kind of need to like be prepared for both. I think you mentioned the gazelle intensity. Cause I feel like one, that's like a very Dave Ramsey thing, which yeah, totally. I think when you get into any sort of financial literacy, that is the biggest name. And then it's like, yeah going through some of his stuff, it's very restrictive. It's very depriving. It's, it's honestly like diet culture. It, it, that's what it reminds me of where it's like, do this diet, be super restrictive. You're going to bounce back. And then it's part of me wonders if it's set up that way, just so that he can keep having customers, you know, the select few who can stick to that refined regiment can do it. I like that you mentioned that budgets don't have to be boring and something that I see all the time on your Instagram is, you know, managing your money without deprivation. What would you say to someone who is starting to play with a budget um, and how can they like include the things that they love versus the traditional advice of just don't spend money on anything? Yeah. So I think before you even create a budget, like for example, in my program, like budgeting's module four um, out of nine core modules. And so a lot of people want to start with budgeting, but there's things we need to do like before. And the biggest one is a money audit and like, not going to lie, it's super boring <laughs> and not fun at all, but you need to know your actual numbers, not what you think your numbers are, not what your friend is spending or some Instagram person's telling you to spend. You need to know where are you as of today. And so that requires you to track your spending for at least a month. And I always say track like an average month, aka don't track December, you know, with the holidays, you're obviously spending more, maybe you spend more in the summer. So pick an average average month and start tracking it to figure out what are you actually spending on groceries? Where are all those little expenses that you're like, oh, it's ten dollars, it's five dollars, it's twenty dollars, like that all adds up. So once you know your numbers, then you're gonna start to create your budget. Um and from there, especially, you know, if you are an entrepreneur or you're not, whatever you, or maybe you are and your partner isn't, you need to, what I recommend is budgeting per paycheck. So if, so for example, I get paid twice a month and my husband gets paid every week. So we budget weekly and pretty much every single week I update our budget, pay bills, make savings transfers, move on with my day. It takes me like 10, 15 minutes. When you're setting up your budget to begin with, it's not going to take you 10 minutes. It might take you longer than that. But the goal is that managing your money doesn't take hours like people, you know, think it does. That this is going to be like an all-day event and it's going to be terrible. I mean, it might be terrible initially if you don't know your numbers right now, but you have to face it even if you're like, eh, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> this is going to be bad because I know I put a lot on the credit card. You need to start with your numbers. So first do a money audit, then start working on your budget. Of course, 
once you have, you know, you're going to subtract your expenses from your income and whatever that number left over is, if that's not enough to, you know, not enough for you to pay off debt or save, then you have one of two options, increase your income or decrease your expenses or a combination. So when you look at your expenses, I always say, what are like the one to two things in there that are like top priority? I really don't want to cut these unless like I really, really have to, because um, those are the ones you want to keep. And there might be some things in there that maybe you can temporarily reduce or cut, not saying it has to be a forever thing, but maybe for a few months. I don't know. I mean, I don't get my hair done, so I don't really know how often people get like their hair colored or done, but like maybe you, instead of going every month, you go every two months or instead of getting your nails done every two weeks, you go once a month or whatever, just kind of stretching it if those are things that are kind of important, but aren't like your top priority. So it's, yes, you have to sacrifice a little bit, obviously, when you're paying off debt and trying to reach big savings goals, but you need to kind of figure out your top, top priorities and keep those and then cut or reduce the things that aren't a priority. I think it's cool that you mentioned that, you know, it's different for everybody. Like you may not get your hair done, but I know you're never going to miss your Starbucks and you're yeah. going to go to every football game that you can. Like that is your yeah. thing. And I think that's where I think a lot of people miss the mark when it comes to money is that they think that they need to do it a certain way. And then they're missing out on the things that they enjoy because they're depriving themselves of it. Interesting question for me that came up. Do you and your husband share a bank account? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. so everything is combined except we have separate checking accounts um, for spending money. Pretty much we each get an allowance. It's <laughs> pretty much what it is. We get a budgeted allowance every month. Everything's combined. Our savings are combined. Um, if you couldn't tell, I'm the one that updates our budget and manages it on like a daily basis. So it's so much easier for me to have everything combined. And he's very like, go with the flow, thankfully. And we're pretty much, I mean, we just keep money at this point, or if you will be married four years next month. Um, but we just keep it really conversational. Like if there's something he wants, I'm not like, oh gosh, you can't get it. I'm like, okay, well, let's just like plan for it. And same thing with me. I'm like, we'll just, you know, say for it. I always tell him the more notice I have for something, the better, because I can like allocate things. Like if you was like tomorrow, I want to buy new golf clubs or something. I don't know. I'd be like, no, (laughs) but, but if that's something that was important to him, we would just plan for it. So I don't know. We don't really keep anything from each other. It's so much easier to manage combined, but we do have our separate spending accounts, which is our like no questions asked money. It's a set amount each month that we can spend without checking in. And then anything else we just have to like plan and check in about. I mean, thankfully we have pretty similar interests. The only things that we don't like, I personally don't care about like fishing or camping and things like that, but he does. So yeah, he gets like his fishing license and some stuff like for fishing and that's just in our budget and it's fine. So yeah, we have everything combined. I think it's so much easier to manage. I mean, I know that's not for everyone, but for us, it works. And then like from a legal standpoint, um, we obviously, we have a trust set up. So if we both die, like all our accounts just go into the trust. So yeah, it's just easier. That's one that I'm like starting to explore as I like explore marriage eventually down the road and like coming from my own situation where, you know, you hear so much advice from different people about how you should manage your money and what to do and what not to do. I think there's always that, like, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but also understand the person that you're with. And 
I like that you mentioned making money conversational because a lot of the things you hear around money, right, is it's a whole fight and it's stressful and it's like money is in everything that we do all day long. Like you're swiping your card sometimes multiple times a day for different things and it doesn't need to be this whole thing. Something that you mentioned that I would love for you to expand more on is as a business owner, why should you care about your personal finances? And what are some of the things you see that business owners do with personal finances that maybe is a place to start working on and cleaning up? Oh my gosh, I was just having this conversation and I think it, I see, so I do work with a decent number or I have in the past too, like of entrepreneurs. And I've seen people where their businesses, like, you know, from, from social media or even their business numbers look great, right? Like they're killing it. They're making sales, but their personal finances are such a disaster. And they're pretty much, stressed out because their business has to keep making more to keep up with their personal life. And like, that is a slippery slope to be stuck on because at some point that's going to fail. You could only, you know, you can obviously continue to increase sales and you could hope on it, but there is at some point in your journey, most likely going to be a month where you can't. And if you keep like increasing your lifestyle and you need more money to keep up with that and you have nothing saved in your personal life, like that's really bad. So I do see that a lot. Um, I was just talking to someone who does bookkeeping and she was talking about the personal, I mean, the business side and I was talking about the personal finance side and how we both see that a lot is business might seem good, but personal finance doesn't. And that's such a weight on your shoulders, like that, you know, you have, you get so stressed because you know, you have to make more to like keep up with your lifestyle, especially eventually when you add in like a partner, if you're, if your business income is literally supporting your life or your kids, that is like a really big stressor. And if you're organized on both fronts, like from a business side and a personal finance side, it'll just like make your life so much easier. You should have a business budget. You should have your personal budget. Obviously you have your business account separate from your personal account. So you can have a business credit card. You can have a personal credit card. Everything should be separate. Of course, making more in your business, you know, depending on how you're set up, like it's an S corp or whatever, you know, you can eventually increase your salary and pay yourself more or do more like, you know, owner draws or whatever, but you need to have both organized or you're going to get stuck in this cycle. That's going to like really stress you out at some point. You need to have a business savings. You need to have your personal savings. Like pretty much you need to duplicate everything on both sides. You have to think of it as like completely separate um, because your, if your personal finances are a disaster, which I have seen before from many business owners, it will start to affect your business life because you'll just get really stressed out. <laughs> yeah. And money doesn't have to be stressful. I think that's what a lot of people forget when it comes to this is like, you can make, as an entrepreneur, you can make so much more, but you also have to understand that like, as an entrepreneur, you need to have more breathing room for that tax bill for when you get sick for, you know, when that launch doesn't go well, because there's external factors that, you know, influence how things are sold and when people buy and those types of things. And it's really important. I think one of the biggest things that I had to learn the hard way was like, how do I start managing my personal finances? And then how do I start managing and monitoring business finances as well? The interesting thing that you teach on that a lot of people don't is like running cash flow, like a cash flowed business versus taking on debt. And I mean, we have a little bit of differing opinion because sometimes it's not physically possible to always pay everything cash in my point of view. And that may just be from like a lack of savings, but what kind of advice do you give to business owners to allow them more space and to run like a debt-free business? Yeah. I think for me, like 
one thing, especially if you're a newer business, like if say you're just starting out and right now, maybe you still have like your W2 and you're just starting your business, like create a sinking fund or like a business, you know, a personal savings account, like for your business. Like you're going to pretty much use your personal money to start funding your business. <laughs> or at least that's what I did in the beginning is I pretty much saved, you know, I allocated a portion of our personal money to save for my business. Cause in my, I mean, I know people have very differing opinions on debt when it comes to business. And obviously for some people it pays off. Um, for me, it just wasn't something I was willing to do, especially like credit card, like credit card interest rates right now, especially are just like wild. I'm not saying you can't do it, especially if you, you know, it just depends on the person and their risk tolerance. Um, but if you have, you know, a job and, or even some kind of side job and your business, you know, starting to save some away for, for, um, you know, business investments, I think one thing that a lot of people don't do also in their business is they don't like save every month. They just are, oh, I make money. I pay my expenses. Like I'm going to pocket the rest. And I think making sure you're putting a certain percentage into like a business savings account every month is really important. Not like very separate from your personal savings, because then if there is a bigger maybe course or program or coach or even like a back end like tech, I don't know, or service provider that you want to work with, even if you don't have all of it, maybe you have like 75% of it in savings and it just makes it much easier, um, you know, on your business. So I think making sure you're set up that way where you do have like a separate business savings. Uh, for me, I just always wouldn't, like depending on investments, like I would just make sure I had the money or at least made sure if I did a payment plan, you know, based on what was going to be coming in recurring, like I could cover it. Of course, I am probably lower risk than some people um, when it comes to risk tolerance. But for me, especially having kids and all the other stuff, like I wasn't willing and I'm still not <laughs> to, you know, just take out like a, you know, 20K loan or put 10, 15, 20K on a credit card and hope for the best just because like I have dependence and responsibilities <laughs> that I'm not willing to um, risk it. But I think if you're strategic about it, like say, you know you're going to need help with a certain aspect of your business, just start preparing for it now. Or if there are certain coaches that you would love to work with one day or um, certain service providers that you would love to help, you know, get their help with something setting up in your business, it's like just start, just like you would on the personal side, just start a sinking fund or a savings account and just start saving a certain amount each month for that. Or if your launch goes way better than you thought, you can increase that percentage. So I think it's just being strategic um, and planning, which... I'm a type A person. So to me, that just is my personality. Type. <laughs> That's kind of how I've always done it. I don't think being type A is a problem when it comes to money. I think it's being strategic and planning and not being reactive. I think as business owners, you know, coming into business, you have an MBA and I went to business school as well. And it's like, you don't know what you don't know about business specifically. And a lot of people take this reactive stance around money and everything else. And it's like, if you can be proactive, if you can be strategic and plan and have like a business budget and understand and, you know, take the concepts of personal finance and apply it to business, you know, don't spend every dollar that comes in and those types of things. That's where it's like a larger conversation about how you can make it easier for yourself. And it also, like you mentioned, comes to risk tolerance. Some people have low risk tolerance. Some people have high, some people have different cushions too, as well. Um, I think this is something we have talked about, but you still have like your W-2 job and you're running your business, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I have um, a W-2 job, which I've had for years, the same job or the same um, 
company and yeah and I run my business pretty much both are like I always tell I have like two full-time jobs at this point <laughs> that's I thrive on busyness I'm not good at I'm I'm I thrive on chaos so that's kind of like <laughs> yeah I I could see that with you. I also thrive on chaos too. I just find that it's like when I have too much space, it's just too much space. Something you mentioned and you've kind of mentioned as a thread through here is like getting your financial stuff together and getting it all kind of compiled. What are some of the things, obviously you teach on this in your programs as well, but what are some of the things that if someone sat down with you today or they sat down and they started looking at their money, what are some of the things that they could do? Yeah. So I always say like, you know, if you're working with me on one-on-one, so like our first call, you need to come with, um, pretty much like your money overview. So I need to know exactly how much you're spending in a month, exactly how much debt you have, not only how much debt do you have, but what types of debt, interest rate, current balance, minimum payments, how much do you have saved? Is it, um, already allocated for a specific goal or do you just have it like in general savings? And then of course, what are kind of your top like one to three short-term money goals? So things you want to do in the next say three years or five years, just so I know like your priorities when it comes to like creating your budget. So I think getting that kind of money audit or money overview is truly the first step. Of course, you know, in my programs and stuff, we work on like money mindset and just understanding, you know, some of your limitations around money. Some people hoard money because of their money past or some people spend it because they didn't have any growing up you know it just depends on kind of what you were taught about money or not taught and your money past which does have a big impact on what you do or don't do with money now as an adult so we work on some things like that I think like I said knowing your numbers truly is the first step on the business side or the personal finance side because I really can't do anything else with someone until I know you know I can give general suggestions but it's not going to stick unless you know truly what you're spending, um, how much debt you have. I mean, like I said, when I actually listed the numbers, even with my husband, um, you know, he was like, oh, it's around a hundred, but like he only just paid the minimum. So he never really like looked, he would just had this payment come out. And then when he actually looked, it was when we actually like totaled it all up, it was 154. And I was like, that's not a hundred. <laughs> it's a little different when it comes to money. 54,000 makes a big difference when you're um, doing certain things. So you know, knowing your numbers and then also knowing what are the biggest priorities to, like you said, for me, it's really eating out or which would to me include the coffee and then sports. Like I have season tickets to Gamecock football. I've had them even while paying off six figures of debt. Our seats have gotten a lot better now, especially with kids. Now my kids are club babies. They go in the club. Um, they've both been going since birth. So yeah, I mean, it's just figuring out what what is a priority to you, even in your business too. Like, I mean, there's so many dang subscriptions and things these days. You know, there might be things that you really don't use or don't need, and you're still paying for, it and you're like, eh, I don't feel like canceling it. It's fifty dollars a month, right, or whatever it is, and that fifty dollars a month could go to something else. So even though it doesn't seem like a lot, it, it does add up over the course of a year or five years or um, whatever else. So I think knowing kind of where you are right now and kind of at least the basics of where you want to be in the next three-ish years is kind of where we start. Yeah. I like that you talk about knowing your number and that the fact that like $50 does add up. 
it yeah. like when we went through and did like a money audit last year on the business side and looked at all the subscriptions and software and what we're using and what works best for us it like it does start adding up and that's where it's like you know knowing your numbers it's just a number people make a lot of feelings around it what would you say to someone who does add that number up and maybe it's like a situation where you're with your husband where it was like oh it's a hundred thousand and it's actually a hundred and fifty four thousand what would you say if they're feeling shame or regret or just kind of some of those negative emotions Totally. I mean, I was there. I mean, I remember when I literally can like vividly remember exactly the moment we were sitting in the kitchen and like totaled it up. And I remember going to um, our second bedroom, which was my office and then ended up uh, my first son's nursery, (laughs) just kind of the cat room for what we needed at that stage of life. But um, I remember being so mad and upset. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like I worked so hard to get myself out of debt rate. And now I'm paying off debt that I technically did nothing to get. And I could sit here and sulk, which I did. I kind of like gave myself a day to like be angry and upset. And like, you know, there's so many people out there who don't have to go through this. Like, why do I have to pay all this? Like, I wish we could save it or I wish we could invest it or blah, blah, blah. And I kind of just let myself feel for like a day. And then I was like, all right, well, I can sit here and sulk. I can blame whoever I can be angry, but that's not going to pay off the debt. And let's just get to it. And that's kind of like how I operate, especially from a finance standpoint is feelings, of course, are important. I'm never going to tell someone like, you can't feel upset. I always, when I'm working with someone, you know, when they're annoyed at their credit card debt, like, oh, I'm like, yeah, it's freaking terrible. Like credit card debt is terrible, especially with interest rates. Paying off debt is tough. I'm never going to tell someone that this journey is easy and you just need to like suck it up, but you also need to separate facts versus feelings. A lot of times, like what are the numbers showing you? because that's the truth. (laughs) You know, you can feel a certain way, which is totally valid, but like the numbers aren't going to (laughs) lie when it comes down to it. Same thing with savings or investing. The numbers are going to tell you, the numbers are going to tell you what you're spending on. It's going to tell you, you know, where your money is currently going. So for me, it was like letting myself feel, but not letting myself sit there. And that's what I'd recommend. Like give yourself a day, cry, do whatever, be angry, vent, write it all out. Do you need to do like totally valid emotions but then go back to the numbers and be like okay well let's break this down that's what we do especially with paying off debt I was like we literally mapped it out all out broke it all down figured out what we how we wanted to pay it off did we stick to that exactly the exact plan that we set from the beginning no uh we adjusted it along the way based on you know priority changing or savings goals or life but it's so important to be specific on your goals and, you know, make adjustments, but like have a plan to go back to because or else you can kind of get stuck and then you just never do anything. (laughs) Yeah. You get kind of in that, like, instead of like a fight or flight, you just get in a freeze and then you're in the same cycle and it just gets worse. And I think that's something that I learned starting my own journey and still perfecting everything where it's like, you know, you're going to have feelings you're going to be like, oh, this sucks. Like I went to grad school for like a year and a half and I'm like, I didn't have any student loan debt. And now I have, you know, it's, it's coming back. And part of it is like frustrating, but the other part is, is like, you can control. And as an entrepreneur, there is a lot of opportunity where you can take your expenses down, increase your income and create a lot of space inside of that. And also like have more paths to pay off debt sooner, depending on how you want to do that in your business, as long as you're not depriving yourself. That's something I think a lot of people forget is that you do have more control than you realize. And that sometimes it is just 
feelings versus, you know, this whole big cloud of shame. Something came up for me kind of with you and having two kids and those types of things. I have a lot of people who are moms who are starting to talk to their kids about money. What are some of the conversations that you have with your kids around money and building like a healthy money mindset with them? Um, none right now because they're two and one, but, um, but my plan, right. Is to just involve them in more. Like, I don't think, I mean, I don't really know if my parents budgeted, but if they did, I definitely didn't see it. So, I mean, I'm not saying that I would need my kids to know, you know, every expense and that they need to know like what electric costs, but I think just involving them in the process and just making them aware that things cost money. I don't think I really understood things truly like what things cost until I was so much older like I don't know I guess you know groceries I just thought like oh mom got food right like I didn't really like put it together that like that cost a certain amount so I think just at especially at a younger age it's more just like awareness like oh you know if we go to the store it's like oh that costs this much you know this much just starting to make them aware of money kind of at a young age and then involving them in just our money conversations, of course, like, I mean, thankfully, Joe and I don't really fight about money. Um, but yeah, I mean, not fighting about money in front of your children, I think is really important, you know, explaining things, of course, but I think a lot of people I've worked with some of their money trauma and past does come from, you know, witnessing or hearing like a lot of money fights with parents, which is why they, you know, either feel like the scarcity mindset or feel like they need to hoard money because they never had, or they do the opposite and spend a lot. So just being kind of aware of what words you use about money, um, you know, your, if you're stressed about money, your kids will pick up on that at some point. So just kind of being honest, but also just being aware of like your own feelings about money. Cause kids are more observant than I feel like we give them credit for a lot of times. I mean, as they get older, I definitely will make them save for things and just, you know, be aware, like if they get an allowance or something like a certain amount has to be saved. We have three different accounts set up for both boys. So um, we're kind of like saving for them now, but I definitely want to make sure that they have good money management skills, understanding credit, understanding what credit cards are, what they're not, understanding you know, compound interest, just so showing them kind of different scenarios. But obviously that's, you know, more for like middle school, high school versus like a two-year-old because he doesn't know anything about that. But I think right now it's more just the awareness and, you know, attitude towards money. Your kids will kind of start to pick up on that. For some reason, I thought your oldest was older. I thought he was like five or six for some no, reason. No, he's, um, he'll be, he's two and a half. So yeah, they're only, they're 20 months apart. It's just fun. Two little boys. Yeah. No, there he's, people always think he's older. I don't know if he's tall or what, but I said him on the other day was like, I didn't realize he said the same thing. It's like, oh my God, he looks like four. And I was like, no, he's two now. <laughs> I think that's kind of how you talk about your kids, which is like, it's just a tangent. I feel like you talk about like sometimes with kids, people very much baby their children, which isn't a wrong thing. But when I think about your oldest, I just feel like you talk about him in like more like he's older for some reason, but that makes yeah. sense too, with like, just, you know, not fighting about money, having conversations around it, including it. I really didn't understand money until I like got a job and I was in high school and yeah. then it was like, okay, I'm like making money every summer. And I lived in an affluent area. So other people didn't have jobs all summer. Their parents were just handing them cards and saying, okay, go to dinner, go do all these things. And that's, it was kind of a rude awakening for me. But 
obviously there's so much goodness in this episode and everything that you do. You have a free gift for the listeners. It's making money moves. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it is a five um, episode, like private podcast. Each episode is like 10 minutes or less because especially with money, I know no one wants to listen to very long episodes (laughs) about money, especially with super actionable tips. So it is five episodes. It'll take you less than an hour to listen if you want to listen through or you can refer back, but it's pretty much just filled with money tips to help you get started. Make sure you have the foundation set before you move on. Um, how to manage like multiple savings goals. It goes into just a few, you know, more specifics that we could, then we could cover necessarily here. So it's a really, I think, really easy listen. Um, And yeah, it was really fun to put together. And I think y'all will love it. I think y'all will love it too. Check out the snow notes below to go ahead and grab it. And if you listen to it, make sure you reach out to Allie and tell her how incredible it is. If they love everything they heard from you and they want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Yeah. So I am on Instagram probably more than I should be according to my phone. That's what it tells me at least at the end of the day. It's like you're on this too much. So Instagram is the best place to reach me. It's financially focused, but financially spelled like my name at the end. So A-L-L-I instead of A-L-L-Y. That's the best place to find me. Feel free to send me a message. Let me know what you took away from this episode, what money goals you're working on. And then my website, which is financiallyfocused.com has all my free resources. I have a blog. I pretty much started, my business started as a blog um, before I even started coaching, which kind of happened organically. So there's tons of blog posts, tons of free information out there, plus ways to work with me. So the website's kind of the best hub, but if you want to chat with me, definitely reach out on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you, Ali, so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was great.